Good morning, everyone. It's about time to begin this morning. Have a couple things to go over. We're blessed with your presence today. For those of you that are visiting with us, we'd like to invite you back this afternoon at 6 p.m. for our evening worship. If you're in the area, we'd like to invite you on Wednesday evening for devotional and Bible study at 7. Have a couple things this morning. If you have no plans for lunch with your family on December the 25th, right after services. Lunch will be provided in the fellowship hall following morning services. However, if you plan to attend, you must sign up on the sheet on the foyer board by this evening. If you have any questions about this event, see Jeremy and Connie. So if you don't have a place to eat lunch next Sunday, Jeremy and Connie will provide it here. Well, they're having steak and... <laughs> but anyway, fried chicken. Just, just remember that for next week. 
I'd like to read this morning from Ephesians 5, part of verse 25, 28, and 33. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own body. He who loves his wife loves himself. Nevertheless, let each one of you in particular so love his own wife as himself and let the wife see that he respects her husband. There's a couple here this morning that the husband and I have something in common. At one point in our life, we were both 6'4", and we both married women from Tennessee. Jim and Grace Ann's 66th wedding anniversary, I believe, was yesterday. I thought that was something that we could be proud for them to mention this morning. Would you bow with me as we have a word of prayer as we enter our worship service this morning? Father, we are thankful for this beautiful day of life that you've given us. We're thankful for your son who came and died for us. We're thankful for this time at this place in this country that we can worship you in peace. We pray that you bless our worship service this morning. Be with John as he leads us into singing and Jason as we surround that table to remember your son, death, burial, and resurrection as David presents us with a lesson. Be with Chris and his family, Isaiah or Way, visiting. Bless them in their travels. We ask your blessings on our sick, our shut-ins, and for those that have lost loved ones. We're thankful for Grace Ann and Jim and their 66 years and pray that you bless them with many more years together. Go with us through this service. Forgive us. In thy son's name we pray, and amen. Would you stand for the first song, please? First hymn this morning, number 180, God is Love, 180. Come, let us all unite to sing. God is love.
Next time this morning, number 544, Redeemed, 544. <clears throat> After this hymn, Brother Jeremy Miller will have our scripture and prayer. Redeemed, how I love to proclaim. Redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Redeemed by Pray with me, please. Father, we're so thankful for uh, all that you've given us, all that you've done for us, allowing us to be here this morning. Thankful for the freedom we have to be here, the uh, facility that we have to be in. Thankful, Father, for the hearts and the minds that have gathered today to, to worship you. We pray, Father, as we go about our service this morning, that it all may be pleasing to you and that you would bless each of us by being here, help us to to participate, to be a part, to draw you into our lives, Father, and help us to submit to your will. Guide us each day in what we do, Father, and help us bring you glory. We're thankful, Father, for just for all that we have. We know that it all comes from you, and help us, Father, to, to serve you with what you've given us, whether it be our time, our money, our possessions. Uh, everything, Father, help us to dedicate to your service. We're mindful, Father, of many who are sick, Many who are hurting, many on our hearts and our minds that uh, are struggling.
struggling with their health, their physical health, struggling with their spiritual health, struggling with their mental and their emotional health. Uh, many fathers struggle, especially at this time of year, Father, and we pray that, that you bless each of those we're concerned about and that you help each of us, Father, to reach out to them, to, to try to meet their needs, to be an encouragement to them, to be a help in any way we can. We're thankful, Father, for the church, for what it means to us, for our place in it, and for our presence in the community. And once again, Father, just help us as a congregation to, to be the light around us and to reach those who are lost. Guide us in all that we do. We're thankful most of all for your son, for what we have through him and in him. And guard our minds and our thoughts as we remember him uh, directly this morning. Uh, bless us today in this worship. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Scripture reading this morning is from Psalms 115, verse 11. You who fear the Lord, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. Next hymn this morning, number 203. 203, hallelujah, what a Savior. We'll sing the first four, first four verses. Men are sorrows watch the show or a movie about a true events and maybe you have more knowledge than you know it's something that you remember um, and you're kind of watching that movie and you go ah, I don't remember it exactly like that um, you know some of the details get a little fuzzy or they are interpreted a little differently in order to to pull the story in or make more sense you know I remember um, when we are Marshall came and filmed uh, here in here in town, um, you know, that was a, 
a real interesting thing. And, you know, they couldn't film at Jim's, so they had this kind of restaurant, but everybody knew it was at Jim's Steak and Spaghetti House. But, you know, those details um, to us as witnesses or as being familiar with something um, were important. But to other people who saw that, they got the, uh, the gist of the story. And, you know, that happens a lot, and especially um, at this time of year, you know, a lot of things kind of get told to simplify the story. And I think that is something that's important. And I think God understood that we as human beings need things to be very simple in order not to mess it up. Um, and I think that is something that is amazing about the Lord's Supper as Jesus you know, explained how we are to remember him. This very simple um, act that we are about to partake of, which we partake of every Sunday, to remember Jesus. And what we remember is that God came to earth. God lived amongst us. He suffered and died and then was risen again. And that's what we remember as we partake of this Lord's Supper uh, every Sunday, and as we are about to do so today. A very simple, a very easy thing to do, but it means so much. And in order we to do that, I would like to read from Luke chapter 22, a few, a few verses, uh, beginning in the first verse. Now, the Feast of Unleavened Bread, which is called the Passover, was approaching. The chief priests and the experts in the law were trying to find some way to execute Jesus, for they were afraid of the people. Skipping on down to the verse 7. Then the, day of the, then the day for the feast of unleavened bread came, on which the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. Jesus sent Peter and John, saying, Go and prepare the Passover for us to eat. So they did. Now when the hour came, verse 14, Jesus took his place at the table and the apostles joined him. And he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And here is the simplicity. Verse 17, then he took a cup and after giving thanks, he said, take this and divide it among yourselves. For I tell you that from now on I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And then he took bread, and after giving thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, he took the cup after they had eaten, saying, This cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. So now we are about to partake of that bread and then of that cup here 2,000 years later in a way that uh, hopefully will be pleasing un unto our Lord. And that's, that's our intention today. And let's, let us bow as we bless the bread. Dear Lord, we thank you for this opportunity to come and worship together. We thank you for the opportunity to remember Jesus and his sacrifice for us. We thank you for um, all that you do for us. And we pray that we will partake in this in a way that is pleasing unto you and according to your will. And it's through Jesus we pray. Amen.
Let us pray for the fruit of vine. Dear Lord, again, we thank you for this assembly. We thank you for Jesus' sacrifice, and we thank you for establishing a way that we may remember it in a way that is easy and simple. And Lord, we pray that we will observe it in a way that is pleasing unto you. And it's through Jesus we do pray. Amen. While the men are still on the floor, we'll take the time to uh, take up the offering. <clears throat> One of the interesting things about the Old Testament versus the New Testament is in the Old Testament, we've heard of tithing. You know, the, the Jews were required 10% of everything. Um, the rules were there. It was strict. It was, you know, you knew what you had. You know, you knew you were for an 8% or 11 or whatever. Um, in the New Testament, God says, give what is according, you know, according to as you've been blessed. And, you know, in some ways that's a lot harder. Um, but it's also uh, interesting. And I think the passage from Luke 
uh, beginning Luke chapter 6, verse 32. Um, this is the concept, and this is the thought process as we are about to give our offering that I think challenges us in ways that uh, are really are really hard, but I think it, it's really simple again, as we talked about earlier. Ver, uh, Luke 6, verse 32. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those from whom you hope to be repaid, what credit is that to you? Even, sender, even sinners lend to sinners so that they may be repaid in full. But love your enemies and do good and lend, expecting nothing back. Then your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High, because he is kind to ungrateful and evil people. Be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. Do not judge, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. And this is my favorite part. I like this part. Give, and it will be given to you a good measure pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be poured into your lap. For the measure you use will be the measure you receive. Let us pray. Dear Lord, we thank you again for this day. We thank you for the abundant blessings you have blessed us with. We thank you for the life you allow us to lead, and we thank you for our health. We thank you for the opportunity to move freely Lord, we pray that you will bless this offering that we are about to offer, and we pray that you will bless us as we close this year and begin anew. We pray that you will bless us with, with, um, with your blessings and that we will do according to your will and that you will forgive us as we fall short of that will. And it's through Jesus we do pray. Amen. Let's all please stand again. We'll sing hymn number 213, He Gave Me a Song. 213. So at this time, the young children may go to the children's Bible hour. <clears throat> Oh, my God. 
Invitation hymn this morning, number 653, 653, the way of the cross for the day. Good morning, church family. I hope everybody's doing all right this morning. I, I don't know about you, but I was surprised to see the snow when I opened the door this morning. I did not expect to see that. Um, I guess, you know, the weatherman is the only guy who can have a job and be wrong 60 to 50 percent of the time and still keep his job which I think is funny because I did not expect to see snow this morning and it wasn't called for snow but uh, I had one lesson that was what's funny about preaching once in a while is that uh, you <clears throat> you have a lesson plan and you already have a topic you want to talk about and the preacher talks about the same thing you were going to talk about the Sunday before. That's what happened to me. I'd never planned on that happening, so you kind of frantically try to figure out what you're going to talk about. But this morning, I want to call your attention to the screen. And this picture I'm about to show you may be a little disturbing because it's a picture we usually do not like to see. It's 
It's a house. It's a house on fire. It's a real house. It's a picture I got from the internet. I don't know much about this house, where the house is at. I really didn't do any research about this house that's on fire. But you can see it's on fire, and you can see the firefighters trying to put it out. And you just hope and pray that more firefighters will come to help put it out. But this house is on fire. But I want you to look at this house for a moment and ask yourself, does something like this scare you? If we would sit here and think about the things that cause us fear in our own hearts, would running into this building be something that you would look forward to doing? Now, you may say, you know, it'd take a lot for me to run into a burning house. You may say, you know, that may be the last thing that I would ever want to do. I mean, I would be scared to death. Do you know how dangerous that is? Do you know how scary that could be? Do you know how many people have lost their lives by doing just that? But there may be here some this morning that have had that experience. And seeing a house like this that's on fire brings back all kinds of memories that are too painful, that may make you, may make you feel uncomfortable. Or maybe you're elbowing your spouse going, you know, hope that never happens to me or to us. But for a moment, I want you to look at this image. And when you look at this picture here, I want you to think of anything in your life that causes fear. And ask yourself the question this morning, what can I do to overcome my fears? What can I do to overcome my fears? As engulfed as this house is on fire right now, there's no way I would even get close to this house. I wouldn't even set foot close to it. I mean, God forbid for a moment that you're looking up at this house and in the second window up here you see the face of your child. Or grandchild. Does that change anything? I mean, the window's open. You can see them. They can see you. 
And you can hear them screaming for you, help. Help mommy, help daddy. I mean, what do you want to do? You want to yell at some firefighters and say, you, you, you need to go up there. But watch out for the stairs on your way up. Or does, in that instant, does everything change? I mean, you do something that you would never dream of doing. I mean, you don't even ask for permission. The only thing you're afraid of, you're afraid of someone stopping you. So without any training, without ever having doing something like this before, you take off into the burning house. The only thing you're afraid of, the only thing you're fearful of, is someone stopping you. If there's a barrier in your way, you would knock it down. If there's a door, you'd kick it open. You would figure out any way possible to save your child. I mean, maybe in a process you would ask some firefighters to help you. You'd say, you and you, come with me. But you wouldn't see it any other way. You're so scared of that kind of situation. But then all of a sudden, everything changes. Everything. I mean, someone comes along and says, do you know what you just did? Do you know how dangerous that was? Do you know how many people have lost their lives by doing just that? Do you know how seriously you could have gotten hurt? But that's not the issue. Because there is someone that you love more than life itself is trapped in that house and they're screaming for you to help them. Even if it means you die trying to save them. If you will, turn your Bibles to 1 John. 1 John chapter 4. First John chapter 4, verse 18. And it reads, There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear, because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. One thing that catches my eye when I think of that situation Perfect love drives out fear. Now, this morning I want to do something a little bit different. 
I know a lot of times preachers come up and they give you a bunch of Bible verses. And you, we leave here going, you know, that was a really great lesson. You know, there's some really good stories. But we can't remember any Bible verses. So this morning I want to challenge you to remember this verse. Say this with me. Perfect love drives out fear. Perfect love drives out fear. I want you to remember that when you leave here this morning. Because perfect love drives out fear because selfish love because some, selfish love is something we all run off of. Selfish love is something that we sit and say to ourselves whether it's going to put me at risk, whether it's going to be painful to me, whether it's going to make me feel uncomfortable, whether it's going to embarrass me, or how is this going to inconvenience me. That's selfish love. We all feel that way. But perfect love, perfect love that we're talking about here is when it's used, when it's described on what God gave us, that God gave you. He loved us so much that he sent his son to die on a cross for you. So that way, your sins, my sins, could be wiped away. Jesus says, For the joy before him endured the cross, scorning and shame, and sat down on the right hand of the throne of God. He went through what he went through, not because it was easy, not because it was convenient. Not because it was comfortable. He did it because of perfect love. Perfect love is what took him to the cross. For you and for me. What would happen... How would our lives change if we would stop for a moment to extend and think about others before we think of ourselves? Would we get too uncomfortable? Would we get selfish? Would we get afraid? Will we think that someone may be imposing on your time? That's imperfect love. That's selfish fear. There's nothing perfect about that at all. That's selfish love. That's where we are so afraid that we think that someone's going to infringe on me and my time, and someone's going to make me feel uncomfortable. But he says, 
I want you to forget about yourself. And I want you to think of others first. Really quick, I want to mention a couple of people. Some we know that are absolutely true, and one's a fictional character I like to talk about this morning. Some of you may not have a clue who this person is, but some of you may know. But this person I'm about to describe describes as a loser. He's a loser. It's George Costanza from Seinfeld. I see some little, little, little smiles. George Costanza from Seinfeld. Now, for those who have never watched Seinfeld, it's an old TV show. Not that old because I don't want to say how old I am. But they still show reruns of this show. But George Costanza, this is probably one of my favorite episodes. George Costanza, tell me later if you've seen this one. He's at a birthday party at a friend's house. And he's at this birthday party, and he's arguing with a clown. And he's arguing with his clown because this clown doesn't have a clue or any idea who Bozo the Clown is. Hopefully, a lot of us here remember who Bozo the Clown is. I see some head shaking. Good. But he doesn't have a clue who he is. And George Costanza just doesn't understand that. How do you not know who Bozo the Clown is and you are a clown? But then all of a sudden, he sm- George Costanza smells something burning. And he follows his nose to the kitchen. And the kitchen's on fire. And this is the part that makes me laugh, is that brave George Costanza, poor brave George Costanza, yells out, fire, fire! And he starts rushing for the front door. He pushes an old lady out of the way in a walker. He pushes all the kids out of the way. He's the first one right out that door. Brave man Costanza. I mean, that just screams loser. Now that is everything about selfish love. But a contrast story to go with that. Now there's countless stories like this Now, not like this particular story, but very similar when we talk about heroic stories. And this heroic story is about Captain Chelsea Sullenberg. He's mostly known as Sully. They did a movie on him a while back about this time when he was flying. And he was flying out, and his plane took off from LaGuardia Airport on January 15, 2009. And as he's taking off from the airport, he runs into a flock of seagulls. Not the band. You could only hope. But he runs into a flock of seagulls, and it takes out his engines. 
And as he's supposed to be heading to Charlotte, North Carolina, he realizes that the plane is too weak to reach his destination. So he thinks to himself, do I turn back around and go back to LaGuardia? He realizes the plane wouldn't make it because the plane is so weak and the engines have no power. So the only thing that he knows he can do is land his plane on water. The Hudson River, which that's where we get the miracle of Hudson, miracle on the Hudson. I mean, this is an amazing, amazing story. If you've ever watched the movie, it's a really good movie. But there's one aspect of the story that I want you to remember that this guy, Sully, is a leader, not a loser. You see, because 155 people were on this plane, and 154 got off the plane safely. One person stayed on the plane, and that was Captain Sully. He walked the passenger cabin of the plane just to make sure everybody got off the plane safely. I mean, here's this plane that's filling up with water. And as he's walking it, he's probably getting his shoes and his socks and his pants wet. I mean, you can't quite say, you remember, I did this before. This was my first time doing this. This is my second time doing this, my third time. No, this was the first time he's ever done anything like this. You talk about someone who had the right to be afraid. It is him. But not once did he walk the cabin, but he walked it twice. To make sure that everybody was off that plane safely. Could that be connected to the thought of perfect love? When you think of people that you are responsible for. And you put yourself last and put them first by you putting away all your fears. Now, I think fears are funny. Just imagine when you're little what your fears used to be. I'm sure it was a monster maybe underneath your bed. Then it goes to probably falling off your bike. And what are your fears now? 
your children. Living paycheck to paycheck. If you have food on the table, if you're able to make your mortgage. It's amazing how our fears change as we grow. And sometimes that can be scary. A while back, there was an elder named Doug Deeds. They used to send me stories when Eddie Edwards was an elder here at Rome. Eddie Edwards, he um, stormed the beach of Normandy in World War II. And so Doug used to send me these stories all the time about War I and World War II, about facts and stories, and um, for me to give these to Eddie. And there's a story That always stuck with me. And I'm assuming the story is a Vietnam story. But it's about a group of soldiers who are being attacked by the enemy. And the Americans retreated. And as they, as they go back to a safe place, into a bunker or a place there wasn't an enemy fire... The captain there makes sure that everybody is safe and sound. But right then and there, they realized one person was missing. And immediately, one of the soldiers goes, well, I'll go back and get him. And the captain says, no. The soldier once again says, I will go back and get him. Captain says, no, you're not. You're going to stay put. And immediately, he gets up out of the safe place and goes, looks for his friend. He comes back carrying his friend back to the safe place, and he puts him down on the ground. And right then and there, they realize that he was dead. But another thing they realized is that the soldier who went to go get him was seriously injured. The captain's furious. The captain is furious at him. He says, didn't I tell you? Didn't I tell you not to go? Didn't I tell you it wouldn't be worth it? Now look what happened to you. He says, oh, sir, it was worth it. It was so worth it. Because when I found him, he was still alive. 
And he said, I knew. I knew you would come back for me. I knew you would come back for me. So worth it. Perfect love drives out fear. Perfect love drives out fear. I'm thinking how many times, you know, when we stop and ask ourselves the question, why are we here? And where are we going? And so many times we spend our energy and our time concentrating on the things that are described and motivated by unselfish love or selfish love. Not perfect love. We should be motivated by perfect love. Because when we are motivated by perfect love, we are going to do things that are risky. We are going to do things that are going to make us feel uncomfortable. We are going to do things that are going to put us out of our comfort zone. Because we're not going to allow fear to hold us back. How can you, how can you and I fill our lives with perfect love? There's room in our hearts for for perfect love. Push that selfish love out of our hearts and focus on God and the joy that he has set before you. Jesus knew where he was going. We should know where we're going. He knew why he was here. You know why you are here. Even though we, even though Jesus did not want to go through that horrific pain on the cross, but he did for you. And for me. And that is perfect love. He paid that price for us at Calvary. For you and for me. Perfect love drives out fear. Now maybe this morning, fear stopped you. Fear is what holds you back from having a closer relationship with our Father. Don't let fear hold you back. 
let us pray for you. Or maybe this morning you're not a Christian and you want to be. Everything is ready and prepared. Share that perfect love with him when you come out from that water. You know, we all have burdens. We all have a weight to carry. And sometimes that can bring all kinds of fear into our lives and into our hearts. But the invitation gives us that opportunity to let go of those burdens. To let go of those fears. To be spiritually in one with him. Don't let fear stop you this morning. So why won't you come forward as we stand and sing? I must meet the whole time away on the cross. Good morning. Thanks, Dave, for a great lesson. So good to have many of our college students with us this morning. Always great to have you all here and back home from school. Just a few announcements before we are dismissed. Tonight, after services, everyone is invited to spare time uh, for bowling and roller skating, laser tag, and also just a great opportunity to fellowship with our sister congregations as this is hosted by the Ironton Church of Christ. Also, um, Detroit Drive is continuing uh, for the Hoops Family Children's Hospital. If you have any unwrapped gifts, you can place those in the uh, red box in the foyer. 
Next Sunday, as uh, Jerry mentioned earlier, if you have no plans for lunch with your family, you are invited to, um, to have lunch here in the fellowship hall after morning services. However, if you plan to attend that, please sign up uh, today. Uh, there's a sign-up sheet on the foyer board. And if you have any questions about that, please see Jeremy and Connie. Also, next Sunday is um, the last Sunday of the month. Uh, however, we will not have our 1 p.m. services. We'll just uh, have our regular 6 p.m. services next Sunday. So make note of that. Also, uh, just um, reminders on the prayer list. Uh, continue to pray for Clinton, uh, Jennifer, Terry Leap, uh, Gary's brother, uh, the family of Babe Jones, her passing, Amber Spitzer, Steve Rowe, and uh, Janet Bricker's sister passed away. Also, I spoke with uh, Friday before services. Uh, Friday's brother-in-law, um, this was, um, he was married to Friday's sister who passed away. Uh, his new wife uh, was just recently diagnosed with breast cancer. And also Friday's sister who we've been praying for, who's had a lot of different health issues. Uh, her husband just passed away a couple days ago. So let's make sure to keep Friday and her family in our prayers as well. Uh, please pick up a Rome journal if you haven't done so already. Uh, there's a complete list of events uh, coming up for 2023 as we're almost there. So let's look for opportunities that we can all get involved with that. And then also just uh, has a complete list of all of those that uh, we need to keep in our prayers. And just remember to keep our shut-ins uh, in our prayers at this time as well. It's a tough time of the year for, for them. Um, that's all the announcements that I have this morning. Uh, we'll have one more song and be dismissed in prayer. Let's please stand again. We'll sing hymn number 836, The Great Redeemer. We're just going to sing the first verse, and then Brother Stephen Wallace will have a prayer. Just one verse of 836, The Great Redeemer. Have I loved the great Redeemer, who is doing so much for me? Would you pray with me, please? Dear God, our Father in heaven, we thank you, Lord, for another day of life, and we're grateful for this time that we've had to come together as uh, fellow Christians and worship you and your Son. 
We thank you, Lord, uh, for this time and pray that it was a time of encouragement and up, uh, uplifting to each one here. Lord, we're grateful for the great love that you've shown to us. We thank you uh, for the love of our Savior, Jesus. Lord, we pray that you be with those that are uh, on the prayer list, those that were mentioned here this morning. We pray for, uh, for their health and uh, pray for their comfort. Pray you would bless them according to your will. Lord, we pray that as we uh, leave this place, that you would go with us this new week and help us, Lord, uh, to always do your will. And this is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.